Ladies and gentlemen, you missed some good Carolina Panthers talk before we came on air. Talk about uh, Matt Barkley back in the league. He's now P.J. Walker's backup on the Carolina Panthers with Sam Darnold out for an indeterminate amount of time, also mm-hmm. known as the next year and a half because <laughs> we realize that he's not any good, and so we need to do something else. Right. Uh, and so the good news is Carolina should be in position to draft a quarterback. The bad news is this draft has no quarterback. Right. They skipped out on the quarterback draft because they had Sam Darnold. Makes perfect and, sense, right? Good. And after good. watching Justin Fields this week, even though they lost, mm-hmm. he looked the part. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Like yep. he's, he, he, he's problems with his receivers. He's got some problems with his offensive line. Like they mm-hmm. need to build a team around him, but he looks the part. Right. He can make throws that players like Sam Darnold can't make. Yep. And, and yeah, and, and he can run, and there's there's it's a work in progress. He's not a finished product, but there's way more potential with Justin Fields, and I think anyone they're going to end up with next year. Yeah. It's so welcome to the uh, – yeah. sorry, Real quick, yeah, I was looking at the Bears' yards after catch. Bears rank 32nd in the NFL in mm. yards after catch. I believe it's like 535. Debo Samuel by himself leads the league with like 489. So all the Bears combined have only a few more yards after catch than, say, Debo. So it's one of the many things. I think we're going to talk about the Bears a little more today later on, but it's one of the many things that is like just holding back uh, Justin Fields right now. We do have a Bears question coming up. So uh, this is the Ask Me Anything show. Welcome to Football Outsiders Live. This is our live stream that we do every weekday at 1 p.m. And uh, we're on uh, all of your favorite live streaming apps like Twitch and YouTube. And you can uh, ask us questions. If you're listening afterwards on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network, you can't ask us any questions live. You could but try. If you're watching on Twitch or YouTube, you can ask questions live. I'm pointing right now to the little chat thing on the side of my screen, which all of your questions will appear in. So, okay. oh, n- there it is. Now <laughs> there's space for it. So all of your questions will appear over here. Uh, when you ask questions. But we have a few questions that we gathered ahead of time. So let's talk about some teams, folks. Uh, The first question comes from Andres de Silvera Stein. How true is it that New England is firmly in playoff contention? How does the schedule look like? And what do you believe will be their final record? Uh, Let me start as the resident Patriots fan. I think what the Patriots have managed to put on the field is the team that I, I mean, well, I guess, no, I was going to say they're perfectly average, but after the last week's game, they're not, their offense doesn't look as good and their defense looks much better. They're up to number five Yes. in defensive DVOA. So this is actually the team we thought they'd be before the season, right? We thought the defense was going to bounce back and be a top five defense. It has, we thought they'd have good special teams. They have. We thought the offense would be a little bit below average. It has been. I think we all would have said Mac Jones had the highest floor of any of the incoming quarterbacks. Maybe Lawrence had a higher floor, we would have said. But right, uh, Mac Jones seemed like the highest floor, lowest ceiling. And that's basically what he has been. So I think the Patriots have been as expected. Their schedule gets harder from here on out. Uh, Their schedule ranks 14th the rest of the way, and I have a version of schedule strength that I'm doing based on Dave 
rather than DVOA for an article tomorrow. And in that one, the Patriots rank 11th the rest of the way. Okay. So their schedule gets harder than we thought it would be before the season. The Titans are, are better than we thought they'd be. The Colts are better than we thought they'd be. Cleveland is a difficult game this year, and they have two games with Buffalo. So my guess is that they lose four out of those five games, finish nine and eight, and just out of the wild card. Yeah, I'm in the same place. I'm nine and eight, 10 and seven, somewhere in there. I could see the Colts going in there and having like, woo, having a Carson moment. And that's a, that's a 10 and seven probably gets them the wild card in this year's AFC, especially because they have a really good conference record. This is a good season in the AFC to be kind of okay at just about everything. Yes. Yeah. And not worry about really being phenomenal at any one thing because you have all these flawed teams, high variance teams going up, down, up, down, and the Patriots can just kind of ride again, a somewhat easy schedule in the first half, certainly. And just like professionalism and low turnover rate most of the time and high turnover rate on defense and ride that into a wild card. Yeah, I guess my, my answer to that question would be my answer to the question of are they a contender in the AFC is have you seen the rest of the AFC? <laughs> There's about a half dozen good teams and four of them, I think, are all in the AFC North. So they're all going to beat each other up. So there's a spot up for grabs. Um, The answer is basically everyone is a contender in the AFC. Now the Jets or the Dolphins. 16 teams are like four and five or better. Right. Yeah. The the, the Texans are out. The Jaguars are out. The uh, Dolphins and Jets are out. Everyone else go for it. Right. Right. And again, having some, having a lot of guys with playoff experience, having a system that's put in place where you're, I'm going to say the Patriots are less susceptible to a sudden upset than other teams based on coaching staff, based on experience. If, if any of those things matter for things, it means you're less likely to trip over the Jets to, or, or the Jaguars yeah. the way teams have had. And that's going to help them as they move on. They're, they're not going to lose to the Jaguars the way the Bills did. There, you know, there's another yeah. gimme game I forget. The Dolphins are coming up. They're not going to lose this time like they did in the opener on a fumble. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't mentioned it by name yet, but they do still have Bill Belichick. He's still running yeah. the show. So. Yeah. I, I, I will say, first of all, we'll talk more about Miami on tomorrow's show when we're going to have a Miami-centric guest. But mm-hmm. I am the leader of the Tua. Tua is better than Brissett coalition. Mm-hmm. So I do think that the chances that the Patriots lose again to Miami are probably a little higher than you think that they are. But um, I will say that historically – the Patriots get better as the season goes along. Mm-hmm. Like normally I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff, but the Patriots are pretty regularly, almost every season get right. better as the year goes along. Now, is that Brady or is that Belichick? Right. I don't know because we've only seen one year with Belichick, but last year the Patriots, they went down in the middle of the season and then got a little better at the end of the season. And usually the Patriots get, you know, Pittsburgh is the other team that gets better usually as the year goes along. So, right. I mean, if you've got that in your back pocket, that I think would suggest 10 and seven is more likelier than nine and eight. I mean, I'll tell you as a fan, I think this season is a win. What takes to make this season a win is to get a wild card. They lose in the first round with a rookie quarterback. The fact that they just made it to the playoffs is enough for me to, to declare this season a win. I'd be. I'd have one eye on what the future long-range plan is. I mean, obviously, Mac Jones is the future long-range plan. But beyond that, because there are a lot of guys 
who are getting older. There are a lot of guys who are, are going to be disappearing from this equation over the next year or two. How does how does that how does that wild card also help the rebuild? That's that's another question. Well, I think if you believe in the idea of teaching players to win, right? I think that it's a real positive. Yeah. I mean, I certainly would much rather have the 21st or 22nd pick in the draft and have made the playoffs mm-hmm. than have the 16th pick in the draft and finish nine and eight. But the draft capital, the draft capital. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I would rather have that. It's this is not, we're not with the Patriots. We're not talking about like with Washington last year, it was like the difference between picking top five or 21st with most team, you know, we're not talking right now about are the Patriots going to, give up on the season and have three wins, or are they going to go 10 and seven? We're talking about the difference between eight and nine, nine and eight, 10 and seven, somewhere in that range. If they're going to be somewhere in that range, I want them to finish in the wild card. Plus the fact is, I think that we can say already that this year's draft was a success because uh, I mean, Ramon J. Stevenson is a running back. So whatever, but he's a nice running back. Uh, Mac Jones looks like the answer at quarterback it may be an answer that never gets higher than eighth best in the league but i'd still rather that have that than be trying sam darnold (laughs) and christian barmore has been great yes Mm -hmm. and that's the kind of guy the patriots often hit on i guess that's the other side of this i feel more excited moving forward and barmore's a heck of a player if there were more young names coming through the the pipeline here and it didn't so much feel like, well, it's Mac Jones and it's all the tight ends we spent money for who probably won't be like advanced yeah. in their career and a bunch of defensive players that we remember from 2019. That's a little bit of a concern as we say, what are we building beyond a wild card team? No, because what they did is spend a bunch of money. So while there are a couple of good young players, Kyle Duggar is another yeah, one. Yeah. The fact is the couple of drafts before that are pretty barren. Mm-hmm. There are not a lot of good Patriots from like the 2017, 2018, 2019 drafts right now. Yeah. So the good Patriots are from 2020 and 2021. Um, So they don't have guys who are right in the peak of their careers. That's why they had to go out and spend a bunch of money to get Hunter Henry and Matt Judon and Jalen Mills and whoever else. Wilson Aguilar. Yeah, who went targetless last week. (laughs) Um, Todd Singer, by the way, says, I did not watch the game Monday night. Did it look like Fields took a step forward? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Getting the ball downfield with more confidence and with more accuracy. And you hate to talk about scrambling as if it's a thing that he, he's scrambling with like with more confidence. He's getting out of the pocket quicker and making a better decision. In the past, he was just running sideways and getting sacked a couple of weeks ago when scrambling. And now he's doing that better and looking downfield while doing it. Remember, there was one play along the sidelines. He completes a 15, 20-yard pass right before he goes out of bounds, a real heads-up play. Yeah, and but he's – I think he's learning that he's very athletic, but he's not Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. And yeah. he, he can't get away with some of the same scrambles in the NFL he did in the Big Ten. Um, but his arm, his arm is great. And, and there and, were actually bootlegs. And there were actually design bootlegs. Yes. Actually exploiting the, the uh, athleticism instead of just waiting for it to magically fall out of the sky. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, he's making... Great throws. Uh, useful Baker points out the last touchdown pass he made was, was a great throw with the, the yes. temporarily game winning, temporarily go ahead touchdown pass was it was a great throw to the corner to the you know the corner of the end zone by the sideline and um, yeah he he showed in the fourth quarter of that game was probably maybe the best quarter any of the rookie quarterbacks has had this year. Yeah, 
Yeah. And that's it. You can see the high ceiling now. You can absolutely yeah. see the high ceiling. And you couldn't see that a month ago. And yet there were more bootlegs. There was a little more rollout. I this, well, I think we're going to go back to the Bears over and over again or something. This offense is not built for him in any way. That, that, that coaching staff is not doing him any favors. Yeah, I mean, we'll start. David Needs a Nap asked us three questions on Twitter. There's no reason we have to take all three of them at the same time. The right. first one was, should Justin Fields sue Matt Nagy for fraud for presenting himself as a football coach in a professional setting? I think it's very likely that the Bears move on from Nagy after this season. I think so. I think so. I think it, he might not last the season. And Pace will probably go with them, and they should be a matched set. But you're really seeing here is what I think happened is that Nagy wanted Dalton. He wanted the veteran quarterback this year for whatever reason. Fields fell into their lap, and he has not really been thrilled with the idea of adjusting the plan. Everything that they've done so far has been like, oh, we want a lottery ticket. Now we have to, to rebuild the house. Yeah. And I don't feel like rebuilding the house. I'm comfortable here in this shack. And that's what Nagy has done. I, I, I think people may be forgetting or, or, or un, um, underestimating the effect it had on the, on the Bears front office. They were in the playoffs last year. Right. And they didn't play very well when they got in the playoffs. And they were only in because the NFL out of this wacky seventh wild card or seventh playoff team. Mm-hmm. Um, but that magic, we made the postseason, we're on the right track message. They may have yeah. fallen through there and. And the fact is, they were not very good. They were. The, and they the, were not the really on the right track. They were on the right track. Fields. Now it feels like at least that part's on the right track, but I don't know about yes. the rest of the team. And in 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 Nagy's head, I can imagine him thinking, we're, we're, "This is a playoff team. We just need to get rid of this Trubisky guy." We'll bring in <laughs> right. Andy Dalton, and we'll be fine. The old John Elway logic. We just we just need that veteran quarterback with this great defense. We just need that veteran, the old John Elway logic, yeah, and they yeah. sold it, and and Nagy sold it to, or Pace sold it to Nagy, sold it to Pace, they sold it to the McCaskies, and away we went with this crazy offseason. They they need to build now around fields. They need weapons. They need offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. They need to build a whole offense now around fields and rebuild their defense as they go because that's starting to crumble little by little. That's a veteran okay. defense. Yep. Speaking of the Monday night game, says Mr. Chainsaw 66, thought on the Tony Corrente hip check. <laughs> I, I don't think it really was a hip check. It looked like an older dude like I do who like is wandering a little bit and bumps into the dude. I think that's why he threw it. I think it was a reflect. You know, respect my authoritized situation. You know, the thing that people say that he was already taking the flag out of his pocket before the two of them ran into each other. Guess. He, he, he was, he was, I, I would, he was definitely going to throw the flag before the hit. Um, then was, was it, in, then was it was an intentional throwing, hip check? I, I, I don't remember. Then but. he was throwing it for the, for the, the flip. Karate the, move. The karate move, which is absurd because I've got people on Twitter who are like suddenly the, the, the taunt police and they're like, well, look at how he stands and gestures. I, I, he doesn't gesture. He, po- he, was he posture? I don't remember even seeing a single tweet that defended that flag, to be honest. Uh, they, uh, they, 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 no. they found me. They found me today. <laughs> and I'm guessing it's a bunch of Steelers fans. You know how that goes. But, but like, it, it, now the NFL has emphasized that play. So they just put out the officiating video and everything, and they said, yes, this is taunting. Here's why. You're going to wow. see officials who are going to be like, he was looking the other way too long. I'm going to throw this flag. His fist went in the air like this after a second. He looked this way. I'm going to throw that flag. You are 
guarantee you're going to see a couple of those in the next couple of weeks because they're going to overcorrect in the wrong direction after this. I would feel a lot better about taunting flags if they were five yards and not an automatic first down. Right. Or, that would help. Right. Michael, Mike, Mike MDS, Michael David Smith pointed that out. I said the first one should be a warning, like the get back coach. Yep. Mm. Yeah, formal warning for a taunt, whatever. That'll get the, the coach screaming at the dude on the sideline. Don't you do it again. And it'll, it'll shut it down. There's all kinds of things you can do. NFL always wants to be extra prescriptive and they also always wants to be extra legalese about the definition of these things. And that's how we wind up in these situations. Like I, I, most fans that I talk to, um, they don't mind taunting at all. (laughs) They they, they think it should be encouraged. They think it should be (laughs) rewarded. Um, the NFL has a different mindset and that's fine. And it's their league and they're in charge, but nobody wants to see games decided by a taunting penalty. Right. And to a large degree, that's what happened on, on Monday night. And yeah. as the Steelers had to come back and win at the end. So it's not a hundred percent this flag, but, um, it, 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 it makes the game not fun to watch. Right, it's an entertainment product, and you're making it, it less entertaining. It makes more things more about the officials and less about yes. the players on the field performing. Hundred percent, yes, absolutely, hundred percent. And I don't understand why the league office doesn't see that. And it's unnecessary. This was not a league full of WWE stuff. Like it was not a league full of this, this, this. And there were penalties on the book when you did that. And taunting yes. was in the book as it was when you did that. Anybody could see you. Pop Warner kids will imitate them. Anytime a guy has ever done something, a Pop Warner kid shouldn't imitate. I've seen a flag thrown. Right. You know, this is this is this is Catholic school stuff. This is not this is not NFL stuff. Bill Houston says, despite the Broncos' scrappy Cowboys victory, would you agree <laughs> that the Von Miller trade signals the end of the Vic Fangio era in Denver? Additionally, would you agree Vic Fangio is the most likely head coach to wear a 10 rules for dating my daughter t-shirt? I will at least give Fangio credit. He was the most conservative coach in the league on fourth downs last year, and he isn't anymore. Yes. So I will give him credit on that. But yes, I think that it felt like the Broncos were giving up on the season by dealing Miller, Mm -hmm. even though they're still in it in the AFC. Mm -hmm. And I do think that they'll move on from Fangio after this year. Agree. I think they're going to slide. And when you talk about the AFC West, I think the Raiders are going to slide. And I think the Broncos are going to slide. I don't think they have the talent to sustain what just happened on Sunday, which was a weird game. And it was a trap game. And it was a tilt in the first quarter game, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I, I believe that they're going to be looking for an excuse to move on from Fangio. And instead of, unless there's a wild card run, uh, he, he'll probably be gone. Yeah, I don't think it's likely that there'll be a wild card run. There's a chance. I mean, we have their playoff odds. What do we have their playoff odds now? Probably like 30 or 40 percent. I mean, everybody in the AFC is at 30 or 40. Everyone is at 28 percent. Hold on, let me say it. But, 37.4, oh, which is which is last in the AFC West, actually, because again, everyone there is well, they're all five and four or five and three, so one one game can have a big effect there. Yeah, um, it, it, it's it's interesting to think about because they're kind of right now in a spot where the Bears were at this time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the Bears ended up sneaking in and halfway blowing things up. 
So, <laughs> uh, so they're doing the, the we now think they're going to do the delay to blow things up and do it at the end of this year. So I guess the the Broncos are getting a step ahead on that. Um, Big difference. I think a, the difference is the Broncos are more like the Panthers in that they didn't take a quarterback in last year's draft, and so yeah. now they'll. As much as I, you know, like Teddy Bridgewater, and he's surprising everyone by throwing downfield this year, he's not mm. a long-term solution. No. no. Another big difference is new general manager now in complete control, new ownership group. That's something you don't have with the Bears, et cetera. So we could be seeing George Patton making bigger decisions as we go forward as he tries mm. to uh, differentiate himself from Elway. And I think about 25 different head coaches will wear some variety of a 10 rules for dating yes. my daughter. That's a very common thing. Yeah. The, the, the number 32 on that table would be Bill, would be Bill Belichick because he doesn't care what he wears. <laughs> he, he got one out of like a, a thrift store <clears throat> somewhere and he didn't even put it on inside out though. Whatever's at the top of the hamburger. Favored favorite the taunting stuff. Like I couldn't believe it came out this week. Mike Tomlin said something like, you know, I'm in favor of the taunting rule. Like this team just won because of it. White guys. And here's Mike Tomlin like, yep, taunting rules. Taunting rules are great. So like coaches are a pretty conservative lot. Yes, they are. They are. I have a whole rant about that t-shirt. I'm going to spare edge sports and football outsiders that rant and do it over three beers sometime. So. Uh, I'll hold you to that at the Super Bowl. <laughs> it involves the uh, boardwalk in New Jersey. Grouchish. Oh, here's the question of the hour. Where yeah. is OBJ going to land? Odell Beckham. <laughs> I like land. He's just going to land. The, um, the leaders are apparently the Saints, mm-hmm. the Packers, mm-hmm. and the Chiefs. Right. No cap space. Patriots and the Seahawks also in on it. No cap space Saints, but they could use theoretically use an OBJ type. Uh, no cap space Chiefs, but why not add Josh Gordon and solve all your problems with more receivers? Um, the oh the Packers, let's put OBJ and, and and Aaron Rodgers in a room together and wait for it to catch fire. That'll be fun. <laughs> this list suspiciously sounds like it was put together by OBJ's people. Well, there's that too. Yeah, I, I, I've seen the Ravens mentioned. Yes. Yes, the Ravens have been mentioned. Uh, yeah, and a lot of these teams, they were teams that ran on Des Bryant, if you remember that, a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Both, both the Ravens year. and the Saints. So it, it is like the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. My takeaway from this is it's not relevant. He's not going to be a relevant player on any of these teams um, because of where he is in his career and the extreme unlikelihood that he's going to walk in and immediately mesh with some quarterback when they're practicing like one day a week you know, at full speed mm-hmm. and be like, oh, well, now I'm the OBJ of old because we have such beautiful timing, even though we've never worked together. Yeah, I guess I feel that more than I feel like there's still a possibility that he was just it didn't just work for him in the Cleveland Browns scheme and he can be a star for another team. I think that possibility still exists. I don't think it exists starting in week 11. Right, right. I think it exists starting in week one of 2022. Right. Um, the, the Saints is, is his hometown team. That's right. That's but right. does he really want to play with Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill for the rest of the year? Yeah. In a, yeah. In a purely uh, uh, talent and, 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 and roster fit situation, he actually may fit in well in Seattle mm-hmm. because they would use him as a third receiver. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they have DK Metcalf and they have uh, 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 Tyler Lockett. But would OBJ want to be a third receiver blocking right. a lot? 
because they're going to run a lot because right. it's Pete Carroll. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, he, he's, you know, is the benefit of free agency. He can go wherever he wants. And apparently no one's, uh, no one's offering for, for no one's offering any money. So he's, he's, right. he's essentially playing I, for free, chasing a ring and having some fun. The Patriots, I guess, offer the thought that Belichick could do for him what he did for Randy Moss, but uh, there's no Tom Brady to do that for him. And, and so can we name the see that can, happening? Can we name the 15 Chad Ochocinco's that that didn't happen for? Oh mm-hmm. my God! Yes, Charles yeah. Johnson and Joey Galloway and yeah. Chad Ochocinco and Chad Ochocinco is one of the best of the veteran receivers that the Patriots have brought in. Usually, those guys like Galloway just completely washed out. Right. Gordon was okay for a couple of games. And I, I think that's one of the things I could see OBJ getting in and having that game where he just gets deep on a bomb and then catches a screen and goes. And it's like, oh, at the end of the game, he had four catches for 123 yards. We all talk about it. And that's it because all he's got are screens and bombs. Doesn't have a lot of timing with the quarterback. Doesn't have a lot of knowledge in the playbook. And he's just running streak routes, you know, uh, 25 snaps a game other than that. The Saints, yes. that Hitchhiker's Pie points out, yes, Reggie Wayne and Demarius Thomas had offseason cameos with the Patriots. So did Tory Holt, by the way. Right. Eric Decker? Uh, Eric Decker did, too. That's right. Um, Mr. Chainsaw66 says, do you guys think he deserves to land with a contender? What? I, I don't know what deserves has to do right. with right. Exactly. First What's of all, he's a free agent. It's his choice. Right. Um, <laughs> What's he done? I right? want to land with a contender. If I was a football player choosing where to go in the middle of the year, mm-hmm. especially if I was choosing where to go for eight games. With yeah, the so idea, it's like it's a four-year contract. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I give the idea that I'm signing a one-year contract and that next year I can go get the money. I would yeah. want to sign with a contender. The Saints make the most sense to me, except for the question of does Beckham want to play with those quarterbacks? Because it is his hometown. They really need a number one receiver, mm-hmm. and they are playoff contenders yeah. for the time being. For the time being, they're they're the second wild card now. Uh, Mike, Titans. I believe you have a point to make. Tennis. Oh, I'm doing my T for Tennessee Titans. Oh, Tennessee. Oh, that's interesting. Why not? It's their third receiver. Yes. Yes, they're going to need to diversify that offense. Yeah. Right now, and that's that's a guy they could bring in. And they're a legit contender. They're not being raised as a as a. That's team. Actually probably, that means they're, they're probably not interested. That means he's probably not interested. But it, it it's worth considering. I don't know what their cap situation is, but it sounds like cap situation doesn't matter. Well, no, it sounds like Beckham will take a veteran minimum to mm-hmm. just play eight games for a contender, and then next year he'll go get money. Well, if 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 if, if someone was willing to pay him, they would have claimed him. Yeah. Yes. And nobody claimed him, so he's not going to get any money. So, so it's it's like I say, he's he's got two months to uh, show off, chase a ring, have some fun, and that and and actually, the more I think about this, Tennessee makes a lot of sense for those reasons. Yeah. Yeah, except that his camp has not leaked the idea that they're interested in him. So right. I. Yeah. He'd like Nashville. He'd enjoy. Nashville. My guess is they're leaking the teams that are interested to try to get them to bid against each other to go over the veterans minimum, but. Right, right. Or just keep the name out there. Keep the name out there. You know, make your guy look like he's in demand. By the way, the Raiders quietly grabbed Deshaun Jackson. I think Deshaun Jackson has more left in the tank personally than Odell. Mm. That's my that's my theory. Well, Deshaun Jackson fits a very specific role, right? And it 
just happens to be the role that the Raiders needed because right. of um, on-field issues. Right. So I think that's a great signing, yes. Yeah. Odell's not the useful Baker saying he would have to block in Tennessee. Vince, he's not – there are worse blockers, believe it or not. He will He will throw when – when he's, when he's in – when he's – Interested. These LSU guys. LSU guys learn how to block. LSU yeah. guys are always really good blockers. Yeah. They used to do a joke about when he knows he's on camera, like the, the, it's a pitch his way, he's going to block. Um, uh, I think yeah. That's, yeah, that's a little that's that's a little you know weak, but he, he's kind of like that. He will throw his body around when he knows he's on the front side of a play. I don't know. I like Packers or Saints. All right. I want to see. I root for Mayhem. Give me give me Packers. <laughs> Give me the first time Aaron Rodgers throws deep and Odell Beckham was on the wrong direction or something like that. Give me that. Give me the facial expressions. Give me the entire drama injected in my veins. Did you Did you like? I'll go with Saints game? just to be a, a contrary voice. I will say he'll go to the Saints just because. Did Did you like Aaron Rodgers going on Pat McAfee's show and clearly trying to do damage control? Backpedaling. Backpedaling. Backpedaling and uh, – y- I didn't. I didn't watch or listen to the whole thing, but the clips I saw, obviously Pat McAfee and and, and AJ Hawk are friends with Aaron, and you could try them try to lead him down the path of uh, PR advancement, right. <laughs> trying to get him to say what he should say. Right. Questions we got before the show. Two of them that sort of tie together. David needs a nap. Said, "How should we judge Kyle Shanahan as a coach?" And Scott DeBrestian asked, how confident are you or other football outsider staff in San Francisco's DVOA ranking of ninth? And I think that these questions are a little tied together, not just because they're both about San Francisco, because I think they bring up an interesting point, which is when a team underperforms its DVOA rating, Mm -hmm. do we tend to think that that might be a coaching issue? Because it means that, like, for example, they've had trouble in close games. Mm-hmm. Or they haven't performed up to, like, the, the the plays are not sequenced correctly. Right. I mean, when I see that, I look, I look at fourth down conversions and things like that to see if there's a very specific on-field coaching issue. Um, you know, it's like, oh, well, that, that's it. They're not, they're not leveraging this, right? They've settled for too many 25-yard field goals, et cetera, et cetera. You don't always find it, but it's one of the things I look for. If I don't find it, then a lot of times it's like, well, I don't go to the stats. I go elsewhere to figure out what's happening. Yeah. Part of it, I will say, San Francisco, I, I wrote about it this week. Part of why they're ninth in DVOA is opponent adjustment mm-hmm. and fumble luck. And if you take those two things out of the equation, they'd be 15th instead. And 15th at three and five makes a lot more sense to our ears than nine. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm confident in it because if you think about, like, how good did we think San Francisco was before the season? And how good did we think they were early in the season? We thought they were a top 10 team. Right. I don't think the idea that San Francisco, when you adjust for a schedule and stuff, is a top 10 team, I don't think it's that crazy an idea. But I do wonder if the three and five record is perhaps a suggestion that there are some coaching issues here. It's getting talked about on the West Coast quite a bit, right, Vince? It is. Um, this is a guy who's in his fifth year. He's yeah. had a winning record one time. Uh, I loaded up here. This is a, a couple of head coaches who have better career win loss records than Kyle Shanahan uh, yeah. Jerry Glanville, <laughs> Ray Rhodes. Ooh. 
Rex Ryan, uh, Jim Mora, the younger version. Oh, uh, Buddy Ryan, in fact. So uh, this is uh, we're half a half a decade in now, and he's had one year when everything fell right, it fell into his lap, and everything worked right. So um, he's in, except for maybe the AFC North, the toughest division in football. Um, he, the the Trey Lance selection may buy him another year, as he says. Well, let me see what. We, the rookie wasn't ready in 2021. Let's yeah. see what we can do in 2022. Um, but there, that seat's getting hot. That seat's getting hot pretty quickly. Um, I will no, say also about the DVOA, the other thing is it's a little bit um, phantom because the opponent adjustments don't know that the Arizona quarterback they faced is Colt McCoy. Also true. So in reality, they're not quite as good as the DVOA says. They're probably more like 11th than 9th. But, I mean, I – Again, this is a team we thought was good. Like we thought their off their offense has been very good this year. Their offense is uh, number six in DVOA, and their offense did not play Arizona backups. Their offense played the Arizona starters. Wow, and Garoppolo so, was very high in quick reads this week. So yeah, their their offense played well. Um, it, it, it's it's. I mean, I had to go through their record game by game, but. Typically, when a team's win-loss record underperforms DVOA, most of the time it's bad luck. But with this record he's having every year, you, you could probably go through and find m mistakes he's making. Um, and getting his quarterbacks hit every year, all the time, um, there's a reason his quarterbacks end up on the shelf pretty much every season. Yeah, they do get hit a lot. Tom Singer points out the bomb cyclone game featured a lot of fumbles by both teams. Yeah, it's interesting that despite all those fumbles – both teams from the bomb cyclone game are higher in DVOA than conventional wisdom with San Francisco ninth and Indianapolis 10th. Wow. Wow. And it's weird that those quarterbacks get hit so much in an offense that you think is predicated on short passes. Yes. Yes. Well, it's it, short passes, but he loves the naked bootleg. Yeah. But, but, but the other thing is I'm looking at their skills for now. They lost to green Bay by two. Final score against Seattle was seven, although the game wasn't that close. Final score against Arizona was seven. Um, 14, so actually. Oh, seven the first time and 14 the okay. second time. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. The first Arizona game. So, the, 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 you know, cl close losses, are, you know, that, that, that's what happens when, or excuse me, uh, yeah, when a team loses a bunch of close games, the record ends up worse than their DVOA. So, and the, they had the game one against Detroit, which ended up being just an eight point win, but they're blowing them out for about 50 minutes. So, mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's very tricky. I'm, I guess with Shanahan, I'm looking at it. Is this one of these coaches, these coaches where I look at a really intricate, clever play design and say, that's so cool. They just got a 22 yard play to the fullback. He must be brilliant and lose sight of the fact that, you know, week in and week out, the team isn't performing as well as it should be in year five of his career. That you, can happen. You, you know, it looks you great. agree with me that if San Francisco did fire Shanahan, he would be snapped up by another yes. team. Oh, he, he's moment. good. You get you get another chance very quickly. Yes, but yeah. he'd be coaching um, Justin Fields. Sorry, he'd be coaching, he'd be Justin, coaching Fields. Justin Fields. Yeah, yes, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a scary little bundle of potential there, isn't it? Yep. But no, you're absolutely right. He would get snapped up by a heartbeat by somebody else. Uh, you know, reasonably, I, he would be the best candidate on the market, probably. You know, so yeah. he, again, this is a guy he's who. Not an offense to the Super Bowl, coached a team to the Super Bowl. He's got a yeah. resume there. Yeah. Two years ago, he's it's not like he's 60. He's he's still right. young. Um, yeah, yes, he 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 would not be unemployed for very long. No. 
And they've dealt with injuries, right? I mean, we all play every year on injuries. They've dealt with injuries this year too. And not just is Kyle Shanahan getting his quarterbacks killed with quarterback knockdown, but things like Jason Verrett. Now, I mean, look, we can argue whether you should ever go into a season depending on Jason Verrett for anything. Right. Jason Verrett, uh, Tart, uh, Jimmy Ward. This is their secondary going in. And, oh, look, everyone got hurt. I can't believe it. What are the odds? Right. Right. Um, they, 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 they get hurt every year. It, it's year in, year out. And you can either blow up the roster and try to get all these fragile players out of here and, and bring new ones in or just say, oh, well, it's luck. Um, for, I, I don't – the injuries go back to the year they moved out of Candlestick. Hmm. And maybe that's just the football gods cursing them for going to Santa Clara. I don't know. Um, but it, it actually predates the Shanahan-John Lynch regime. They've, they've had troubles with injuries for a long, long time. Uh, here's another question from Boone's Pacemaker. Is Jalen Hurts a good quarterback? The numbers are encouraging, but a lot of his stats have come against soft defenses during garbage time. I will say, and I'm talking passing stats here, not running. He is 19th in passing DVOA right now, essentially at 0%. Right. He has an 8.3% DVOA when losing by more than one score in the fourth quarter. Okay. So that's not a that's not that much better than what he is overall. Right. But 77 of his 83 fourth quarter pass plays have come while losing. So it might just be a volume thing. He's losing in the fourth quarter a lot, so he's building numbers in the fourth quarter, but it's yeah. not like he's actually that much it's not like he's more efficient in garbage time. It's just right. he's yeah. in a lot of it. He's right. not Blake Bortles, <laughs> who would be terrible for three quarters and then become Joe Montana when down by 21 points. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, but it, yeah, but it, it it's an interesting question. It, 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 I basically asked that question on Twitter. Do you think Jalen Hurts would be good this year? And for two months in, I'm still not totally sure of the answer. It's, it's hard to get a full read on it because week to week, the Eagles offense changes drastically. That's they true. were throwing 25 screens a week a couple of weeks ago. Against the Chargers, and it's a good adjustment against the Chargers. They have a bad run defense. It was three tight ends and run the ball at the middle. So you don't get a sense of that. I mean, I, I got the floor now. I'm happy that the floor looks like this is a guy who, at the very least, would be like sort of a premium backup or a win-despite type starter because he gives you so much as a rusher. And he's giving you some creativity on the fly of being able to run an offense. Where the ceiling is, I have no concept. Looks like he's a he underthrows a lot of deep passes. Does not seem to have a lot of deep accuracy. I don't know what's going on over the middle of the field because Nick Sirianni just doesn't have any plays for that in the system. So there's so many things that you know we haven't seen yet that it's hard to make that final determination. And keep in mind the Eagles kind of have to make this final determination because they're a team with enough draft capital. Even in a year with no quarterbacks, they're the team that could make some one of these splashy trades. Right. It brings up a, an interesting question, which is, <clears throat> do you feel if you're the Eagles? Yeah. Do you draft – well, I guess there's sort of three directions here. Right. One, do you draft a guy as Hertz's replacement? Two, do you draft a guy and have that guy and Hertz compete? Right. Or three, do you use those first-round picks to build a team around Hertz and say he's our guy? Right. Or I guess four, which is way out there in the weeds, are you bidding on Deshaun? Are you bidding on mm. Russell right. Wilson? I mean, are you bidding on his martyred majesty? Knowing you have those three first round picks to include, yeah, yeah you can make these bids. Yeah, that, that, that's 
a more uh, realistic option in the offseason than it is the trade deadline as far as watching yes. goes. Yeah, um, and, and it's, it's fun to ask that now, but I also kind of feel like you, you, you know, we're all just guessing at this point. Um, we, we will need to get deeper into the draft process mm-hmm. to see does anyone look good at the combine? Does anyone play well in bowl season? Does anyone look at the senior bowl? Um, right. And so far, the answer, you know, there, there doesn't look like there's much to pick from. Um, uh, right. Of the options that are on the table right now, the one that makes the most sense to me as we're sitting here on November 10th, 2021, is uh, let's ride with Jalen for another year. Hmm. We'll get try to get as many good players around him as we can. And then if it turns out that 2022 proves he's not the guy, at least you still have a bunch of good players for whoever is the guy that year. Right. That's one way of looking at it. There's no, I don't think there's anybody in this draft who you say you're the starter now, not Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts is better option for 2022 than anybody in that draft. Whether you grab one and say, we're going to, you know, we're going to try to develop one. Yeah. That's a possibility too. But you know, what I hope we see is more, clarity over the next seven eight weeks on who Jalen Hurts is see him in more situations see him see him lead a comeback in one of these fourth downs fourth quarter yes their wins have generally been huge I mean they beat Atlanta 32-6 and Detroit 44-6 right so they steamroll or they fall behind and they kind of linger 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 and that's where all that fourth quarter stuff comes from and the other thing we haven't seen is like a three interception meltdown at the beginning of the game by either so you don't have that that floor game is like well that's it that that proves we have to move on you don't have that forward touchdown. This is the proof of concept. So I'd like to see some kind of clarity in the next two months. Useful Baker says, as an Eagles fan, I would rather that they use those picks to build the team around him. Right. So there's one vote for don't draft another quarterback. Right. Well, I'll, I'll put you in touch with my cross the street neighbor who wants the entire team flushed down the toilet at this point. And you guys can battle it out. You can And you can listen to the local, local sports talk too, and, and your head will explode. Please don't. Watch our podcast instead. <laughs> Rouchish says, what happened with the Bills offense? Are we in for a massive rebound game against the Jets like that other AFC East team likes to do? Uh, I would think yes, that a gigantic rebound game against the Jets is definitely a likelihood. Um, based on what uh, based on what Kale wrote in any given Sunday this week, it looks like some of the problem with the Bills offense is the same playing against too high safeties that's been an issue with Rodgers and Mahomes, and you have to take the underneath stuff and you have to run more. Mm -hmm. And the Bills have no running game. Their offensive line has had some real problems this year, both run blocking and pass blocking because the they were getting after Josh Allen in that game. The Jaguars yes. were getting after Josh Allen. So yes. I think a lot of it, I mean, some of it I think is Allen regressing uh, towards the mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people heard the idea of Allen regressing and they thought that meant Allen going back to what he was before last year. And it's not right. that, it's just that he wouldn't be quite as good as he was in 2020. But also I think a lot of it is you can blame on the on the offensive line. Right. There were a lot of miscommunications on the line. There were a lot of penalties in that game, more more on the defense, the Bills' defense. But, you know, the whole too-high shell thing, it's like, yeah, you know what? The Jaguars had no way of stopping this team except to back up 25 yards on the snap. And you know, that's not a sustainable way for a team to win unless the offense gives it to them. And you're right. They, they, the Bills sometimes, like, their counterattack when what they want to do isn't working, I haven't seen it. Like, oh, we're going to switch and be this kind of team or, or you know, take the underneath route or whatever. I don't see that a lot when things. And aren't. if you give them the run, they're not they're not running well. Even right. if you give them the run with the, the, the with the small box, 
Right. You give him the run. You give him, hey, you can hit your tight ends underneath. Well, we, you know, our tight end right now is Tommy Sweeney. He runs like I do. Uh, right. You know, so they don't. <laughs> it, it's it's like here we are. This is what we do. This is what we did last year. Okay, we, we're going to take that one thing away. You're not going to be able to throw a six million yard bomb. Time for Brian Dayball to show. He's got his plan B, plan C, if he wants to be yeah. the next Kyle Shanahan. It, it, it does amuse me a bit. It, it happened uh, late last year in, with Seattle, too, and everyone says, oh, it's the two high safeties. It just, it just can't be beat. No one has ever seen this too high shell before that the Steelers were using the steel curtain in the Super Bowl <laughs> in the 70s. No one knows what to do. Right, right. It's, <laughs> it's so often, and, and, and it's, uh, I'm not, you know, like this Twitter mentality, somebody spots the two deep zones, spot, spot, spots the bad play. And like, I got to talk about this now. It's like, it's just, it was third and 20. That's why it was a bad play. But also like with Mahomes against the two deeps, like that's what people were playing against him last year. Yes. So it's not, that's not what's gone wrong because no. that's oh, how right. people defended him before and he was still awesome. Right. And you can't yeah. just keep sitting back in it. That's not a thing you can do. It's but like, the oh. thing is, if, if you're sending four with two deep safeties and your four are consistently beating their offensive line, right? Mm-hmm. then that's a problem for the offense. And that was happening with the Jaguars. Right. Yeah. That was happening. As far as Josh Allen goes, um, last week, uh, so two weeks ago, they were tied. I think they're tied 3 3 with Miami at halftime. And I'm like, man, I got to turn into this game and see what, what's going on with Buffalo. And what I saw in the second half was they ran Miami off the field. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it, it, was, it was Josh Allen scrambling all over and finding, I think it was Cole Beasley getting all the catches that week. Um, but they look great. And so this week I was like, ah, I'm not getting fooled by this Bills team again. They're they're tied with Jacksonville, but they're going to run off the field in the fourth I know. Quarter. I kept waiting. I'm like, the touchdown is coming. They're coming back. They're coming mm-hmm. back. They're coming I bet back. it. I bet the second half. I bet it and lost. Oh, no. Yeah. One thing, I, I don't have the DVOA in front of me. Third and medium, they mess that up a lot. Mm. Yeah, the Bills are like third and three to third and seven, third and eight. It seems like they don't – maybe DVOA will prove me a liar, but it's like they don't have like a – the They don't have a race. plan in my opinion. You guys race while I vamp here and, and get ready to be told I was wrong. But that's an observation, and I will accept DVOA's judgment on this. Third and medium, you say? Yes. Offense. 15th. Ah, middle of the pack. Okay. Well, that was good. They were last year. 32nd. In what? Third and short. Oh, okay. Maybe that's they're not able to run. Jeez. Yep. Right. right. And they run like speed options and some goofy stuff there rather than just saying, well, it is third and one, no matter how bad we are. Zach Moss is huge go. You know, they do, they do daffy stuff. Yeah. 25th um, on first down. Ooh. Which is also a heavy running down. Their their <laughs> running game is just non-existent this year. Right. Yeah. And it was um, last year too. Trexel asked, since Mike White for the Jets was announced as the starter, how do you see him performing? Speaking of teams that will play against the Bills this week, it's your 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 unknown starting quarterback kind of goes like this. <laughs> you know, most of the time, that first game is going to be the best game you get. From him, and the more of a book we get on him, I don't anticipate Mike White's going to have a very good game. I mean, I think now, as far as projecting the Jets, I'm not making any adjustments for Mike White. I'm sort of assuming he's the same as Wilson rather than as a backup. You know, usually I would reduce it. But it does, it reminds me of like Kyle Allen. Like Kyle Allen had a really good first two or three games. And then he, you know, people realize he's an undrafted free agent. Right. You know, it's also just random variation. Like, right. 
fact is his playing really well in the last game and a half or whatever it's been yeah, sure. is or could just be random variation. Right, right. And it could be the 10 plays that that coordinator is certain he can run and we're going to run them both twice and then and then hope for the hope for the best. It happens a lot. It could also be that I mean, we saw with Taylor Heineke too, who looked great in a yeah. playoff game and decent for a while here in relief of Fitzpatrick in 2021, and 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 the bottom fell out. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, I don't. I don't think Mike White will be. Uh, um, I, don't I don't think, think he's, he's gonna... permanent. I don't think he is a permanent starter in the NFL. He might have shown no. that he has a permanent place as a backup. Right. Sure. Right. Right. Uh, Bill Houston says earlier in the NFL season, I made a glib post on this podcast about Dan look at all that text for <laughs> coaching hire. On the episode, Vince seemed annoyed by my skepticism. At this oh, point, what does the future augur for Captain Kilgore and the Detroit Lions? Can any coach win with Lions ownership? Well, first of all, I'm sorry if I seemed annoyed at you. I, I can be a very, uh, I can come off a little rough and abrasive sometimes. So uh, apologies and thank you for coming back to listen again. Um, I think Campbell has, is it sound weird to say for a, a team that I, I think hasn't won a game yet, but it feels like they've overachieved. You can't blame them for things like a 66 yard field goal against them. Yeah. Right. They are they, four, four and four against the spread. Hey, there you go. See, exhibit A. Uh, they, they, they've played better than they should be playing. They have dug themselves impossible holes week after week after week and come right back to the lip of climbing out of those holes over and over again, except against Philadelphia, I guess. But, um, yeah, for, for a team, you know, um, that has no – they don't have any wide receivers. They just don't. Right. <laughs> Trying to win right. games in the NFL in 2021 without wide receivers is hard. <laughs> um, it's – so yeah, oh no, it, it, that that has gone up, honestly as as well as it could possibly be, and um, it's just it, it it they're fun, they're a lot of fun. The Lions the are the guy who was supposed to be their number one receiver this year was finally cut this week with the injury uh, settlement. Is that Tyrell, Tyrell Williams? Yeah. Oh, he was. He, what an odd choice. My, that was my my pick to beat his Kubiak projection. In case you ever think <laughs> I know anything about this sport. Well, he, he, you know, I think you can be excused. He never played. Right. right, right, right. And as um, for the ownership, it's like if we start counting owners in the NFL, man, there's like three good ones. Well, yeah. You know, and sometimes you are decreed a good owner because your team won a bunch of games because, you know. Does it feel yeah. like Detroit's ownership messes with things a lot? Like it doesn't feel like – I, I mean, that. I think you're a bad owner if you either mess with the football operations right. or you do embarrassing things off the field. Like Dan yeah. Snyder is a bad owner. The third would be not putting a lot of capital in place so that you can make big free agent signings. But that's right. not that's like Cincinnati problem. Yeah, yeah, but that's not the case. I don't see Martha Firestone Ford out there, you know, making a <laughs> making a fool out of herself and, and, and that family there. So, no, I mean, it's just they've been a bad – team for generations now so right which, on the ownership but well, i feel yeah, like but, there's nothing that declares that that's going uh, one of these days they will make good draft picks and a good hire and become good i feel right. like there's nothing that says that when we're you know in 2030 we can't be talking about the lions as a really good team it's cyclical things right. in the nfl seem to be cyclical right i realize well, that the cycle hasn't quite come but there's, I feel like there's no reason why it couldn't come. 
it's no. I, I would add, I would add an, a, another group of bad ownership though, which is apathy, which is yeah. where you, you hire a guy and he stinks and you just leave him around. And um, mm-hmm. when and I, I'm honestly not sure if it's the the same people, the same human beings running Detroit as as back in the day. But when crowds at other sporting events and hockey games are chanting for your football team to fire the GM, <laughs> this reflects poorly on the ownership group. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think you um, the, made the same remark over here. Yeah. Useful Baker said Lions owners just pick the wrong people to trust to run their team. And yeah, I mean, and, they, and they stick with bad them. choices. They, they, because they, they, he's a nice guy. We'll just leave him in the office for a decade. And if we win a game, that's cool. <laughs> Bill Houston says, who are the good owners? Craft. Um, the craft. I mean, the good owners are the ones who I mean, stay out of the way of the football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't do embarrassing stuff off the field. Right. And provide plenty of capital to sign free agents and to the football. The football people can run the team as they see fit. And then I would say a fourth thing would be, um, for our purposes, you know, we would want an owner who approved of an analytics department and sent the <laughs> word down, like, you know, listen to those people occasionally. Right. Like, for example, Seahawks. Uh, Ravens guy whose name yeah. I cannot remember right now. Biscotti. Biscotti. Mm. I was going to say Basucci. Biscotti, Biscotti uh, is a good owner. Jeffrey Lurie is a good owner. Yes. Mm. You don't think Jeffrey Lurie <laughs> is a good I, owner? I, I think he's fine, but he's he's grown more uh, hands-on to a, to a detriment of the team in the last year or two. That's a problem. Um, yeah, but again, that's also there's a sports talk element of this where it, uh, the local radio station – has decided that he's in there like a, some kind of weird puppet master, which is cuckoo bananas, because uh, he's not that in any way. But I, I mean, a couple of years ago, I would have called him one of the best owners. Uh, players have called him one of the best owners they've ever played for who've been to multiple teams. So I would put him on the at least okay list. Useful Baker says the Roonies. I think yeah. Roonies are the, the, the good owners. Guy says the Haslums. No, see, I said don't embarrass your team. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The, the, the whole flying J thing is a bit of a problem and with the Jimmy Haslam ownership. Yeah. Yes. Changing GMs every 18 months when things don't work out. The thing is, most yep. insiders will put the Maras at the top of the list of great owners. But Vince, to your point, the Maras are notorious for putting either a GM or a certain family of GMs, like a certain type of GM, in charge and letting them sit there for year after year after year. So mm-hmm. it's a very tricky thing. I mean, you, there, there, I don't think there's many good owners, and the ones that are good are the teams that are good year after year for decades at a time. I Patriots, think the mo- Steelers, the Seahawks. Owners are sort of a, a middle, you know. I mean, do you feel like Ziggy Wolf is taking anything away from the Minnesota Vikings? I feel like he doesn't really bring anything to the table or take anything away from the table. No, no. No, you're right. It's- yeah, he, he he's he's pretty, pretty neutral, although the longer they dwell in uh, – the, the cycle of mediocrity the more he approaches the apathy group right yeah, I guess. but but there's, but there's nothing objectively tangible that he's doing to screw things up right right and that's what you keep going back to and and now so that post hoc argument the team has been winning for a few years so the owner must be doing the right, right. thing i mean even I, bad bad teams uh the jets own jets ownership ugh. i feel like they don't really do anything to embarrass. I mean, you can disagree with the politics of Woody Johnson serving in the Trump administration, but they don't really do anything to embarrass the team. Right. When their coaching staff that they've hired doesn't work, they replace them. Right. Right. Like, you know, they, they, they've 
made some bad hires, but it's not like they sit on those bad hires for years. Like when right. they realize the hire is bad, that guy's out, new guy in, like, let's find the right guy. Mm -hmm. Like, so I feel like even though that's a losing franchise, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with the ownership. We know the Texans have a bad owner. Well, yeah. Mm. <laughs> that we can <laughs> all agree on. on there. You know, something we can, we can definitely uh, sink our teeth into. Is Jim Ursay a bad owner because he embarrasses the team or a good owner because he's pretty hands-off on the football stuff? He's such a nutty uncle that I don't know how embarrassing yeah. he really is. It's like, oh, he's tweeting goofy stuff, whatever. You know, There's a fine line between embarrassing and quirky, but I would put him in the quirky pile. Right. That, that, that can turn south on, on one bender with a good Wi-Fi signal, but uh... – <laughs> But for, for, I, I don't know how, how embarrassing he is as much as he's just, you know, when you're rich, they call it eccentric. And he's, he's right. eccentric. That's right. Hitchhiker's Pie mentions, you know, Pat Bull and the Bullen family were beloved across the league, considered outstanding ownership and have rings and things to back that up. And now it's a different ownership group at this point. So we don't know what the Broncos have moving forward. Yeah. I, I, I definitely Come on. spit on owners Come on. and Dan Snyder not mentioned. Didn't I mention Dan Snyder? We're, we're good. We're good. I thought I mentioned Dan Snyder. Yeah, I mentioned Dan yeah. Snyder. Yeah, Dan Snyder is an embarrassing owner. I the stuff that's happened with the Washington franchise is embarrassing. I, there's not, there's no two ways about that. Right. Yeah. You, you don't need us to tell you that. <laughs> yeah, the Packers have the best owners. Yes. Don't tell um, the writers that. The Packers have the most owners. I mean, yeah. listen, there's an advantage to having. There's an advantage to the way the Packers ownership works, which is there's no rich eccentric to embarrass the team in any way. Right. Yeah. The flip side is there's no rich person to say, I'm going to open the coffers up even more when it comes time to do X, Y, or Z. But Yeah, but it help. never seems like the Packers are low on money to go find free agents, does it? No. He no. had a long string. They've opened it more since Gutekunst got there, but they had a long string of years where they would add like a veteran in free agency every year. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I feel like that was more strategy than a lack of money. You could you could say that too. Um, I I I don't know who they really wanted. They missed out on. Um, yeah, the Patriots only would bring in one or two free agents every year, and then they decided they wanted to spend money one year, and the money was there. Like I feel like the Packers. I don't have any reason to believe that if the Packers wanted to go out and spend a bunch of money on free agents, that the money wouldn't be there. Right. Yeah. I think it would have to be like something like this. One play like this half billion dollar investment, like Patrick Mahomes has. Usually, there's like got to be one person who can approve that, and I don't know if they have that there. But um, their ownership group reminds me of the uh, Caesars commercials now, where everybody's a Caesar. Yeah. You're a Caesar, and you're a Caesar. I'm a Packers owner. I'm a Packers owner. So, you know, power to the people. Actually, I don't know who is officially the Chiefs owner right now, but that gives you a good example Clark. of. Isn't it? Uh, who is it? Isn't it Clark Hunt? Is he the owner still? Of the Chiefs? Yes. Clark Hunt is still the owner. Okay. I didn't know if it was like a daughter in the family or I couldn't remember the name of the guy. I feel like nobody, four or five years ago, nobody would have said that. Now, if you said who are the best owners, somebody would say Kansas City because they won. And winning is the thing right. that makes you the best. Right, right. Well, I mean, in this sport, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the, 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 the Chiefs, it's it's they were... Well, the shot and hiring years are pretty good, but they had a lot of down years for, for decades. Mm -hmm. And then they got Andy Reid and they got Patrick Mahomes. Right. And, and, and suddenly the ownership group looks better. That is true. 
Right. And Lamar Hunt was another one of the, the great legends of the game and ran that team for decades and built the IFL, et cetera. So it's hard to like then go in and say, yes, but this particular free agent move or decision, you mm-hmm. know, it's hard, it's hard yeah. to kind of itemize that out. All right. That does it for our Wednesday live stream, folks. Thank you for joining me, Mike Tanier, Vince Verhey. Uh, thank you for joining us. Don't forget about our limited time offer for FO Plus, only 99 cents a week with an annual subscription. You can get all of our advanced stats and splits, fantasy research data, picks against the spread, all the good stuff from Football Outsiders. Football Outsiders, FO Plus, 99 cents a week for an annual subscription. Go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Thank you all for watching or listening. Thank you for your questions if you were watching live and we will be back tomorrow at 1 p.m eastern it will be me and mike with brian knowles and david bearman from espn shock oh cool who is a miami fan is going to talk we're going to talk some Tua tagovailoa and what on earth happened to the miami franchise this year before thursday night football so tomorrow 1 p.m eastern join us for that and otherwise i'm signing off and we'll see you tomorrow